Blog Talk Radio. Now give me my theme music. Yes, sir. Welcome to the war room. We got Dez, Kim, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you want to end up one or two hour show to keep the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Vote with the topics, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the fad five during prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and great. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. Yeah, what's good, War Room family? You are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network for our, count 13th annual Thanksgiving Day potluck. Man, 13. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the Bull Dev Mac, and I'm at the War Room dining table this week with my brother, B. Austin. Uh, Jimmy the Blueprint will not be with us this morning at this special time. Man, this might be the first uh, Thanksgiving episode in 13 years that, that that Jimmy has missed. So shout out to our brother. Uh, we are thankful for him and everything you know. You know he does uh, for the show, for the company, for 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 us as friends. We're thankful for the brother. But uh, once again, man, we're gonna get y'all prepared for a long day of football. Um, depending on what you and your family do, probably a long day of, of, of getting your grub in. Um, so, you know, once again, it's time to bust it up with you guys in the greatest man cave in the history of Pilgrim Indian relations. <laughs> that is the war room. If you're up with us, uh, thank you, first and foremost. Um, there wasn't a lot of promotion around this, so I don't even know. You know, there's probably a lot of people waiting for the 6 o'clock show, even though, you know, most of our stuff comes on the uh you know, people on demand anyway, but, you know, for the people who are always live with us, uh, we thank you guys. We love you guys. Shout out to Neil, who's already in the chat room. I don't know if Skyview is going to join her because that's, that's West Coast time. Uh, but shout out to everybody who's live with us every week, no matter what time uh, we are on the air. But look, like I said, if you're up with us, you can get in on the conversation yourself by signing in right now to the Botherhood chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. Or you could join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at War Room Sports. We'll also be taking your calls in about 30 minutes on the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. If there are any calls to take, that number, as usual, 323-410-0012. So what up, bro? What's, what's, what's good with you, man? What's good with the family? Happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving, you know. All that. Hey man, I'm I'm so thankful that Christopher Columbus brought this beautiful holiday to the Native Americans, carrying <laughs> blankets and turkeys and wonderful charity. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how they got all the state of Pennsylvania in one day, but you know, I'm thankful they did. I'm thankful that we're all here. Thankful for the guys that brought the cruise lines and ships over to the western coast of Africa and brought some of our relatives here, man. I'm just thankful, man. Thank man. <laughs> no doubt. You know, and I always, you know, you wonder that once you become of a certain age and you, you know, 
attend certain institutions and you learn certain things and you learn that everything they tried to teach you about this as kids is pretty much one big lie. Um, the, the thing is, we've made it what we've wanted to make it at this point. We, we've made it what they did try to teach us. But it's, you know, you, you get together with your family and you really show thanks, even though the real story of how it all started was not what a lot of people were taught as youngsters. You know, we just move on. What, what, what did he always say? We just going to move on with love, do it our way. You know what I'm saying? Make what we want to make out love. of it. But, but we, we, we know we know the, the, the big lie that they tried to tell us about this. So that's why, I, like, I don't need the people to, how y'all celebrate that 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 holiday, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not celebrating any pilgrim, Indians, Columbus, and tyranny, and, and terrorism. I'm not celebrating any of that. I'm eating with my peoples. That's, that's, that's what it is. We thankful for each other, even if, you know, it was all a big lie. So, happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving to all, to all y'all. Live for what you're thankful for. And don't worry about, you know, the lie. Because, I mean, if you're worrying about lies, our whole American history is made of lies and omissions and and, and, and all that stuff. So you, you be stressing yourself every day about that kind of stuff. But what I'm not thankful for, B, two more U.S. mass shootings this week, man. Um, another uh, LGBTQ club shot up in Colorado. This one's crazy because they interviewed this dude's dad. His dad seems like a meth head. And you know what the dude's dad said when, when they were asking him about his son shooting up a gay club? He said at first he was confused of why his son was in a gay club. But then when he realized he was shooting him up and he wasn't actually gay, dude sounded relieved. He was like, yo, at first, man, I thought he was gay. But at least he's not gay. Like, yo, he killed like six, seven people. He said at least he's not gay. <laughs> Yo, the dude said, I am a conservative Republican, and I'm a such and such, you know, religious-wise, and I believe in this, so at least he's not gay. I'm like, yo, that, this is America for you, yo. Did you hear about that? All right, I don't know where B is, <laughs> but I don't know if he's – okay, hold up. Here he is. Oh. There he is. My bad, B. Yo. I'm sorry. Yo, Did you hear no. all of that? I have not heard that interview. Because, you know, what, yeah, what ends up happening, I gotta send what, what ends up happening, y'all, is you have to detox. You have to detox from uh, <laughs> from a lot of this ish. Um, so I, I've heard about the shooting. I got mm-hmm. details on the Chesapeake, Virginia thing. I knew about the uh, Colorado thing, but I had to detox. The last information that I received, the Bull's grandfather is actually a sitting Republican conservative congressman. Wow. I don't know if you heard that. I haven't heard that. It would be true. But his dad is definitely on some uh, form of narcotics, and he definitely said it was on his mind when they – Shooter Bull's granddad got his record, helped to get his record expunged and sealed because he has two or three um, felony charges as a minor, one including threatening to blow his mother up with a homemade device, uh, and they sealed his record when he changed his last name. Yeah, that's what I – so once I read that – People tell you and show you who they are, believe them, or stuff like this will happen. I kind of was like – 
right, listen, let me fall back. And then the most ridiculousness, oh, I'm sorry, the other ridiculousness I heard about this um, was his defense attorneys are mounting a defense of him being a non-binary human. So they're essentially saying that he's a part of the queer community, and the thought is that is to fight the terroristic charges. He has uh, five hate crimes with each of the five murders. So they're saying that he is not a he or a she, but a them and a they. I don't really know how that works. Attorneys are trying to dig deep. (laughs) They be digging deep in the immorality bag. That'll get the five hate crime uh, charges dropped, they believe. That's, that's the goal. Um, like I was watching I the, the Dahmer uh, series on Netflix, and I'm sitting here like, yo, an attorney is really trying to mount an insanity plea for Bull when he's sitting here telling you, like, I, I knew exactly what I was doing. Like, I so he wouldn't but spend I like jail time and rather time in a hospital instead of like, why do you care? Why? And it's not like yeah. they're rich, so it's not like, you know, you, you're representing a, a billionaire serial killer and it's lots of money for you to get out of this. Like, why do you care? <laughs> why do you want this dude on the street or, or in a hospital, not locked up behind bars? Sometimes I, I just don't you understand, know. man. You know me, I, I'm going to turn everything into race because this is America. Everything is race for me. So they give uh, the black people in the black neighborhood public defenders. Right. And say, right. take the charge. Take the charge. Be just as poor Damn. as the white dudes who get an attorney that's fighting for their lives. But, you know, that's where we live, man. Off of a, go, off of a GoFundMe now. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thankful. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> um, the other one, like you said, man, Chesapeake VA, that's a little bit closer to home because shout out to the to uh, our brother Phil Maddock from Tissue and the Tape podcast, man. That's, you know, right down where he is. Like, he and his wife, if there's ever a need to for some, you know, to run to Walmart for any, anything, that's that's the one that they're in. So anything crazy could have happened. And What's what's even crazier about that one is the shooter was black. He was a manager. Um, people are digging up stuff on social media now. Like there was a social media post, a video with him clowning with one of his uh, coworkers. So it was one of those posts was like, yo, you never know what somebody's going through or what somebody is thinking because here he looks harmless. He's laughing and all that. And then, you know, then we hear he went into the break room and, and let off and kill like, you know, six people, seven people. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. You Like, where can we feel, is there anywhere left to go in this country where, where you feel 100% safe? Um, no, no. And, and again, and I don't, I don't mean to be a, a, a Richard head about it, but I've never felt 100% safe, but I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. I'm, no, I mean, I mean, come on. Where we grew up, like, being yeah. observant of all your surroundings at all times, even when it's somewhere that, you know, somebody not of where you're from would be like, yo, what are you, you know, why are you looking around? Why are you, I've, I've always had that with my wife. Like, 
Thought we go somewhere. We go to a restaurant. I gotta sit in a certain position. I gotta be able to see way. the door. I want to see the, every door, the kitchen door. I want to see where everybody's coming from, where everybody's going. I mean, I could be at a kids party. It's just it's crazy. Just, it's just, just how it's, we were. It's just ingrained. It's yeah. ingrained. So I'm gonna say that you asked that question, assuming that we were regular people from a regular place with a regular yeah, yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. So our so our kids, right? So. Is there anywhere that our kids can go and feel safe? Because they shouldn't have the same experience with their personal safety that we did. And the answer but is it's, no. It's, it's just that it's, it's nowhere you can go in America and just let your guard down. You can't go to a music festival. That might get shot up. Can't go to a Walmart. That might get shot up. Can't go to school because that might get shot up. Can't go to college. That might get shot. Definitely, like, definitely can't go to a gay club. Yeah, yeah, you can't go to a gay club. That might get shot. Now, I couldn't go to a gay club just because they wouldn't let me in. But you can't go to, you know, you can't go anywhere without the threat. And and the thing is, and I know you've traveled extensively. As bad as things are in other places of the world, their respect for humanity in a lot of places that are quote unquote worse than America is higher than here. Like, it's, it's, is it really bad? Or is it really worse there? Oh, it, it, you can that's, only but that's say the narrative that, that Americans yeah. in America wants to write for everybody else. Like, well, you could be living here. This is blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. <laughs> like, like, okay. Like, here, we, we can't even run in a marathon. Somebody might blow that up. Like, it's... Right, right. So, I don't know, man, but I'm thankful. But look, before we get started, because we like 15 minutes in and we haven't gotten started, because that's just how we do, uh, we need to remind you that whether you're with us live or not at any time on demand, you can still check out archive episodes of our show, The War Room, and all of our partner shows on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. You can do that either on our website at warroomsports.com or on one of the many major podcast listening platforms because we're on all of them. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Um, just check, just search for the War Room Sports Podcast Network, and you should be able to find all the shows that are currently, you know, still recording on the network. Um, if you want to go to the archives, then it's probably best to go to our site, warroomsports.com. So shout out to everybody on the network. We are thankful for you brothers and sisters as well, everybody at Tissue and the Tape, uh, Philmatic 365, like we just talked about, and, and Davis Backwards, the homie survived. Shout out to y'all, uh, Roy and Chris on the Broad Street line, uh, the Burtons <laughs> from John Appetit, uh, the Wilsons on the couch with the Wilsons, man. Shout out to you guys as well. Um, the mayor, after further review, everybody, man, we, we, we're thankful for everything that you guys have um, provided the content that you've provided and what you've contributed to the network throughout all of these Amen. years. Um, Amen. And not just the active like people, man. Thankful to the other 30 shows that have come and gone. Thankful to y'all for the, for the, for the archive content. Hope y'all are doing Amen. well. I, I, I want to send a special, uh, a special thank you to our contributors, man. Thank you to, uh, thank you to Fred. There's a joke somewhere in there. We'll get to it later, but thank you to him, man. <laughs> Thank you to thank you to Tobias who's turned himself into a contributor. 
Yeah, it's pretty much a segment. That's not a call. That's a segment. <laughs> he got his own segment. Yeah. Thank you to thank you to uh thank you to retarded Rob, man. We love you, man. We love you, man. I love I I, def, I know I, I speak for myself. I, I got love for the brother, man. The show wouldn't no, be I the show without I mean, it's been times throughout the years where, you know, if he was right in front of me, I probably would have put hands on him. But, you know, all in all, it's like just because it was like an annoying little brother. Annoying little, little, I put, little brother. I put, I, put hands, I put hands on family before. Yeah, I mean, it happens. happens all the time. Yeah, put hands upon yeah. you. I mean, thank you. Thank you to Neil, man. Thank That's the point. If, if, if I didn't care about the brother, then he wouldn't even be able to get under my skin sometimes like that. So. That's all love. <laughs> Thankful, man. Thankful to the to the to the audience throughout the years. Thank you to Jay who hasn't called in for about a half a decade, but we're thankful for the for the, the, the homie Nas. Thank you to Nas. Oh, probably people y'all listening do? like, wait, is this the last episode or something? What y'all doing? No, because we no, definitely going to be know. around for a few more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. This we told y'all at the do? beginning of this season that this might be the last one. So, you know, we, we're definitely, you know, have a list of credits to roll before that happens. But it's not there yet right now. We're on episode 654 and counting. So uh, before we get into these hot topics, man, which are, you just got to let you know, they're brought to you by my bookie, War Room Family. Time for you to make some money sports betting in my bookie. If you still haven't checked out my bookie, then... You aren't the gambler that you claim to be. It's time to place a bet, man. You can lay down some money on all the biggest games in sports. We got the World Cup going on right now, Men's World Cup, NBA, NFL, college football. Like, this is the time right here. So you can lay down some money on all of these games by joining us, the War Room, and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. There's no excuses when when you win. You get your money. You get it fast without any hassle. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game starts. So, you know, on a day like today, I mean, you can find out who already ate turkey before the game and then maybe change your bet right after kickoff because you know what turkey do to you. So join now. My bookie will match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. Just use the promo code WARROOM, all caps, one word, to activate this offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, get your bread. That's all there is to it. So speaking of the World Cup, which I am actually watching right now as we speak, uh, shout out to Uruguay and uh, Korea in the 61st minute of a nil-nil contest. Um, hey, I, you know, I just wanted to ask you, like, who are some of the teams to watch out for um, in this year's World Cup? I'm going to give you the watch out list. And I'm going to give you the upset list that is going down already because there's been some major upsets. And then um, you can also tell everybody how bad England is going to pummel America tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. If you all don't know, you're foolish. But I'll tell you. Um, to watch out for, uh, you definitely want to watch out for the, world champ- for the world champs who, although injured and five of their starters are down and not participating – this still the champ. So we're gonna give France. Like like we're gonna give France for the champ part. We're gonna give France their love and their flowers. You know, one of the uh, honorary African teams. If you know, you know. Um, France. They got all the Africans on their team. Brazil is probably a favorite 
uh, to win this year. Uh, they are simply loaded in the attacking part of the pitch in a way which country in the world can field that many attackers. Like, they literally, it's not just Neymar and Richardson and Anthony. Like, you could take their starters and get rid of them, and they have cats on the bench that you probably ain't heard of that would do it to you and be superstars by the time it's done. Like, they are simply loaded. Defensively, so, a little weak. And, and, and basketball terms, they go to the rack. <laughs> they go to the rack. Yeah, yeah, they get to the they get to the cup big time. That's uh-huh. that's that's what they do. Um, Double line because they're trying to get to that cup this year. <laughs> beyond Brazil, you're probably talking about um, the Netherlands. Uh, they too are are a quasi African team. You've got uh, Portugal. Um, which should have a good showing. Argentina. Argentina has some huge names. But recall, I spoke about that, that upset special. Right. They were beaten 2-1 by Saudi Arabia. Yeah. No one, including the Saudi Arabians, <laughs> saw that coming. <laughs> no one but, saw that coming. Well, you know, they're uh, over in their part of the world, so might have been some payoffs you, going you, you on. Don't, you don't know what's going on. They got um, a lot of money. A lot of money, and they got some players. Uh, then you would probably go to Japan, who surprised Germany. I know the Germans weren't expecting to get that surprise, but uh, Japan showed up, and they said, we're trying to win this. We're we serious. So they had an upset over Germany. Germany wow, we played a game. Germany always makes its way into the conversation because of how much success they've had at the World Cup. So they're always in the conversation as a potential, but it's just that. It's just talk. They're, they're not going to win this year. Um, England, England is the U.S. of Europe. They're, they're going to pummel the U.S., but one of the things that I think they do that, that is similar to the U.S. and costs them, um, they throw teams together and try and throw star power at it. At the problem, that all started in the, the '92 Olympics with with, with basketball. Yeah. So now that's like the with formula that, the for any yeah. international competition. Instead they of having throw, people they, that play together and have chemistry. Yeah, they bring the dream team uh, of England, and it's usually enough to make it definitely to the round of 16, maybe even further. Uh, but I don't have them winning it. I don't think the chemistry's there. Uh, the best North American team is not Mexico. It's not the U.S. It's the Canadians. It's the Canadians. We're also a quasi-African team. Canada, the U.S. isn't better than Canada. They they may have more talent. They may have better players, but as a team, they're not better than Canada. Canada. Yeah, I watched Canada yesterday. All the, they are hell of a The Cafricans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tough. Um. The U.S. has ascended to a place where they're better than Mexico, but I'm not even sure if it's ascended as much as the Mexicans have just fallen off a cliff uh, in recent years. I don't know what to really make of the U.S. Um, shout out to Tim Way, uh, son of George Way. George Way is widely regarded as the greatest African player of all time. He's now the president of Liberia. His son, uh, <laughs> go figure, Plays for the U.S. national team. He just scored. 
They've got Captain America, Pulisic. They've got Tim. They've got a ton of talented players on the field and on the pitch, and, and you're seeing a lot more of the U.S. players um, playing in Europe. So they are, as individuals, individual players, they're getting a lot better. They're getting a lot more. Got a lot of individual talent, but they don't, they don't play together enough, in my opinion. They don't have enough time together to forge the chemistry and the bonds needed to compete at the very highest level yeah, against some of And their 1-1 one, one tie mm-hmm. with um, Wales the other day, what I noticed in that game, it seemed like the first half, America came out with a lot of aggression. And, mm-hmm. you know, they looked like the better team in the first half. Mm-hmm. In the second half, they decided to, to fall back and just and be defenders for the whole second half. So yep. it was like, you know, now Wales is bringing the they game were, to you and we're just content. Yeah. On, on, on backing up and, and playing defense. So I didn't really understand the switch. But, you know, from what I read about it, it was like, you know, the team is young. So, you know, listen, I, I don't know. There was a lot of that running around coach. talking about how the team is young and they didn't really trust them to keep that same pace for the entire game. I don't, I don't know. Nah. I don't know. But nah, it, it was weird to me use, to see the you can't use You can't use that. You can't use that excuse. And that's a great – so – Remember, remember when the Clippers uh, were the Clippers, and and it was Corey Spaghetti and and uh, Odom Odom and, from Chicago and Miles, yeah, and all um, of them. Yeah, the U.S. It, national team has that type of athleticism, that type of youth, that type of. They don't get tired. They right. don't get tired. And Wales is a bunch of old men that let them run around, and when they realize, oh, you're just gonna park the bus. So that ideology don't even make sense because the young yeah. dude should have the energy no. they just, they to, just, to, they to press just, up they like don't they were. Have any, they didn't bring any of the old dudes this time around. There is no Michael Bradley. There is no Josie Alves. It's all young dudes. They don't get tired. There's no reason. Tim Way's a real like a Tim Way's an African. Africans don't get tired, man. They just <laughs> run. They 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 not gonna get. There's no reason to park the but. What happened was they came out scored got excited and realized, oh, we can play with European teams. Right. And then the coach parked the bus, which for us Americans is basically a prevent defense. Andy and Reed. it was nasty, <laughs> Reed man. And then they got the lead. And then let, the lead and let and Gareth Andy <laughs> Gareth, yes, they Andy Reid. Gareth the Bale, and Andy Reed. Who, is, who is a world-class legendary talent, even if he hasn't translated that all the time on the pitch. He's a world-class, world-class, like right be- below Messi and, and, and Neymar and, and Ronaldo. Gareth Bale is that type of talent. Even at 33, if you're just going to park the bus and let him tee off, he's going to find a way to get in the box and score, or he's going to find a way to get he a PK. So that's the what they, yeah. Yeah. They, shot, they shot themselves in the foot in that game um, with that strategy. It wasn't about the talent. So I that's an indictment of the coach. And Wells, and Wells knew because if you look at the reactions yeah. after the game, Wells treated it like a win and U.S. treated yeah. it like a loss because they knew they blew an yeah. opportunity on that one. Yeah, yeah, they blew it. Yeah, they blew, they, they blew it completely. They knew. They, they, they knew. Right. And Wells, Wells just came to the dance like, you just happy to be here. They know they're not doing nothing. But go ahead, bro. Let me let me That's ask you a question, question, man, about the NBA, man. Has load management 
completely gotten out of control. And I ask you this because the world champion, Golden State Warriors, for the second time this month against the same team in the same city, the Pelicans in New Orleans, they've rested not one, not two, not three, but four of their starters. And Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins. And, and you know, got destroyed by, you know, the Pelicans did what they were supposed to do. They're going to rest all these dudes and disrespect you like that, then you, you destroy this team. Um, but has this gotten completely out of hand? Like, we're still pretty much in the first month of the season. And already twice this team, and they're going to sit here and tell you, because they've won championships, that's important. And, you know what I'm saying, we've had long runs in the in the past, so we just want to get some rest for our players. Like, is it getting out of hand to you, man? Like this is this is a little ridiculous to me, man. It's been it's been it's been out of hand. You know, I don't even think Kawhi Leonard is injured. I think he just don't want to play. Um, and Kawhi Leonard may, may not play like four times a year now. He plays quarterly. <laughs> that may not even be load management. Uh, that that's some other level of disrespect to the fans in the game. Um, but it's, it's the whole I, I, uh, what is it? The player empowerment era, player empowerment yeah, movement. Player empowerment. This is what that's turned into. We can do what we want, play when we want. Yo, it, it, it's it's bad. But make more money than the game has ever seen. I can make the argument because of the number of deep playoff runs that these guys have made that they have wear and tear on their bodies, and you have to preserve. And, and I hate to bring this guy up because this is the guy that's super polarizing. There's two guys that we know are polarizing. But Jordan didn't do that, man. Jordan yeah. didn't do that. He just he, – he didn't, man. He gave us – I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a really a thing in that era. Like, people played through injuries that, you know, they probably shouldn't play through. But we got, like, these days, cats don't want to play unless they're 100%. Like, when during the season are you really going to be 100%? You can be – like – if you go to games, you'll see these dudes out there going full speed in the warm-ups and doing everything that they usually do, and then the game starts, and they're in the street clothes on the bench. And when you ask them why, oh, I'm not 100%. I'm about 80, 89, 90%. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm going to pay. I'm, I need you about, you about 80%. All right, I need a 20% refund on my ticket. I, no, I need That's more right. than that. If, like – Yo, can you imagine the fans in New Orleans? These are the world champs. This is Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. This is one of the most intriguing teams in NBA history. Steph is one of the greatest players in NBA history, one of the most exciting players to watch. And we always got to bring up – I mean, we always got to use this extreme example, man. What about – and Steph being the everyman, not being some giant that, you know, does things that no other human can do besides the way he shoots the ball – like, you know how kids feel about this dude. So imagine the kid that Pop scraped up for his first NBA game. Oh, man, the Warriors coming to town. You get to see your boy Steph. And then you go, and not only is Steph in street clothes, but the whole Warriors starting five except for Kevon Looney, who nobody came to see, is, is playing. And NBA tickets, as you know me, are not cheap. <laughs> Not at no, all. Kevon Looney's parents didn't go to see him play. Um, 
the funny thing like, I, about I this is, this, man. You have I'm gonna go. I'm gonna of... go another. I'm gonna go another direction in the uh, that opposes the concept of load management for a star of Steph's caliber and age. Steph is 34. Takes great care of his body. Yo, Andrew Wiggins is 27. He's, oh, he said no. Huh? I said Andrew Wiggins is 27. Like he said no. For. <laughs> bump, he's a bump. Um, Steph is sitting out. He's averaging 32 a game, 7 and 7. I want to say he's like career highs. He's in a rhythm. He's in a rhythm. Resting him this early in the season, I feel like they break up that rhythm that he's in. Dude is cooking, and you just randomly sit him down. Oh man, we want to man. That the game, the game of basketball is a rhythmic game. If I'm How in a rhythm, are they anyway? Oh, and nine and ten, and eleventh place in the, in the conference. Like, man, we'll sit him out. <laughs> Yeah, they cocky. They they think Clay's coming back. Clay did have a forty pointer the other night. Yeah, when they you when you can shoot like Clay, it's always possible, but there ain't no consistency in that. No, no consistency in it whatsoever, man. But I I just think this thing has jumped the shark. It's gotten ridiculous. I mean, they've even made rules for it. Like you're supposed to give like forty eight hours notice if you're gonna sit a star player down on the road. You know, give people time to do whatever they need to do to try to refund their tickets or sell their tickets or just do whatever they need to do. And I don't even think that notice was given. Like I said, this is the second time in November alone that they've done this in the same city. So, like, what is it about New Orleans that they don't want to – like, what they think, Zion and them hacks or something? You're trying to preserve everybody because Zion wild as hell? Like, I don't understand – what it is about that actual place, but I just don't understand the whole load management phenomenon in the first place. Like, you know, I, I know it's wear and tear, you know what I'm saying? But y'all get paid so much money to play a kid's game. And the game promotes individuals more than any other game out there in the world, pretty much. I mean, except for maybe international soccer, but it promotes individuals so it's like, this is not the game you can do that. Like, you can maybe get away with that in football. And it, and and you have more of a justification because you can easily justify an injury excuse in football uh, much easier. But, y'all, but the NBA promotes this individuality. Like, even when you see games being advertised on TV – Half the time, they don't even have the team's logos that are going against each other. They have two faces sitting there. Right, like Steph versus Zion or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. It, it's getting real crazy. Um, damn you, Greg Popovich, for starting this, and damn everybody for being copycats. Have some pride about yourself, man. That, that's all. That's all. All right, uh, your man Ben Simmons returned to Philly. <laughs> this past week and man thought it was going to be an, an easy time considering the Sixers were missing the top three players and Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. Um, even Tobias Harris plan was a late addition because he had sat out the game prior for an injury himself. Um, the Sixers ended up winning this game. 
nets were fully stocked, no excuses. Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving was even there. Um, Joe Harris, everybody. They, you know, they pretty much had a full deck. And, you know, Sixers took them out on national TV behind a, a balanced effort from cats like Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, Paul Reed, uh, no thanks to P.J. Tucker. So, you know, a little bit on the defensive end, and we'll talk about that in a minute as well. Um, but, Ben, did you did you watch the game, B, or did you see, you know, what went down? Of course, you know, he got booed heavily and booed every time he touched the ball. A lot of people who expect Philly to be a certain way said they thought it was weak and they expected more. But I, I kind of think a little bit of the wind was taken out of the, the fan sales when – you know, this matchup comes up and you realize you're missing your top three players. I think the fans expect it to get hammered. So they're like, we're not going to sit yeah. here and talk a bunch I, of trash I, to ball, and then they beat us by 40. But the Young Bucks stepped yeah. up and actually won the game. I, I think that was directly related to Joel not being on the floor. Joel is on the floor, and them fans, you know how his relationship with the fans and they would have, they would have given. He would have, as they say here, he, he would have sized them the whole time. Yeah, there's a lot. He'd, they'd have got, he'd have got a lot more hell. Um, Ben, Ben Simmons actually, you know, some the 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 hot take media has basically said that he can no longer play basketball, and. They've gone into the whole, you know, reading his body language. He doesn't love the sport, which we know that already. Um, too many, uh, too many trysts with Vanilla. We know that already. But at the end of the day, I think they've jumped the gun. I still think this kid is 6'10", fast as all get out, and he will return to being – 85, maybe 90% of what he was. No, I and mean, he's still... already he's already rounding the corner. He's, he's making it seem like there was something to the argument of, you know, this is, you know, these athletes are the best conditioned athletes in the world. You can't just sit out a year and a half and just come back and be, you know, what you were before you left. So it kind of seems like now he's rounding in the shape the past three or four games. He's been the Ben Simmons that he was in Philly before he got ran out of Philly. And even against the Sixers, he played pretty well. Um, I think we know now that, you know, you're not going to get Ben Simmons as a flat-out scorer. But, you know, he, he was close to a triple-double with 11 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds in there, 115-106 uh, loss to the, to the home team. But um, I, didn't, I didn't think he played poorly. I didn't think he played poorly. He made his first couple free throws and, and was actually had the nerve to, like, talk trash to the crowd about it. Um, he didn't finish shooting great from the line, but it wasn't super terrible like we had come accustomed to seeing in big moments. And then there was the um, – um, he played pretty good defense. Like, I, you know, he. so it seems like to me that he's rounding back in his shape. So I'm fully on board with you, B, when you're saying you think that, you know, he – everybody's jumping the gun and he could possibly be most of, if not of all of what he was, you know, before yeah. he showed us his yeah. bandit. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think that I'm in. Mean, um, what's, what's up with your man KD though? What, what's up? What's up with him? 
I mean, what? KD averaging 30. What else would you what you need to be? <laughs> I, know, I need him to rally the troops and turn some of that into Ws because he is he is putting up his normal numbers. That's going to that's going to be the rap on KD. I mean, I think when his career is, is set in stone like KD like that's what you hear whether you believe it or not. I don't really know. I'm not in the locker room. I don't see what he actually does. But the 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 rap on KD is he's a great player, one of the best players we've ever seen. But he's not a leader. So it's like when he's called upon to be the leader of the team, the team can't get over certain humps. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, evidence is starting to certainly point that way but you know i don't want to be one of the gun jumpers paul but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that but that's the narrative you know, I, I just something right something completely off the cuff like not breaking news but just interesting man i'm 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 uh i'm in the twitter streets and i'm noticing that did you know that one gerald jones was one of the bullies that tried to stop oh, yeah. the uh, we, we talking about segregation. We, we got that. Oh. We got that, brother. Okay. We, we got that. As y'all can see out there in War Room Land, B. Austin, don't ever take a peek at our pregame, our, our pre-show notes and, and, and stuff. I do. We, we, we got that. We got that. I actually I saved that for was, last. So we can give bars I was just on. Working with this tur- I was working with yeah. this turkey, though, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, no, we, we definitely got bars for Gerald. We, we definitely got some bars for Gerald on that. But, um, yeah, that was the whole story of uh, Ben Simmons coming back to Philly. Like I said, didn't play, didn't play bad. Um, didn't do anything world-beating. He had some moments in the game. And then he also had some moments where you could tell there was something there where he was forcing the issue. I mean, never, you know, didn't take any jump shots. You know, that was going to be the case. But there was some where he was forcing the issue so much and actually trying to score that he got called for travel a couple of times. So, you know, there was something in him where at times he wanted to get at Philly as a whole and, and, and show some things. But um, I think this says way more, though, about the Nets as a team that they couldn't win this game. Like, this game they should have won by 30, at least. Like, yeah. the Hornets beat the Sixers the next night with the with the same squad. And the Hornets were, what, 4-10 and 10 when that game started. So the Nets have some serious soul-searching to do, man, because we keep looking at this team like, man, on this, if this team can ever get it together, man, this team tough. But, like, at what point is that not going to be true? Because there's no consistency, whatever whatsoever with the Brooklyn Nets. All right, so I, I, I mentioned this a little bit about Bo not helping much, but our stat of the week, man, your man P.J. Tucker has become the first player in NBA history to go scoreless in four straight games while playing at least 25 minutes per night. And this is since minutes began being recorded back in 1951. He almost did it again last night. He went about four games and three quarters of being scoreless. He hit a three-pointer in the fourth quarter of the game last night versus the Hornets. So in the past five games, P.J. Tucker, our big $10 million signee, for three years, might I add, um, $10 million a year for three years, he has a, he has a, a, a robust 
three points in the last five games. Now, I, I see the stretches and the moments where P.J., especially on a perimeter player, he gets on a perimeter player and gives people like Kevin Durant trouble. You know, you're not going to stop him, giving him a little bit of trouble. Um, I saw him get switched on a guard. I forgot who it was the other night. Gave him a little bit of trouble. But I don't think there's enough even consistency on the defensive end to justify what this dude is not doing right now. It's like you just added, I guess, you just added Matisse Thibel to the roster with with an attitude. <laughs> you just, you just you added, you you essentially added, added, added Matisse, Matisse Thibel with Matisse, an attitude. Matisse and DeAnthony Thibel Melton is million, helping us so much offensively. I think DeAnthony Melton has just gotten Matisse Thibel placed on the trading block when he used to be an untouchable. So uh, don't think, don't. You know, to all those people who like to jump the guns with murals and all that, because there is a Matisse-style mural somewhere in Philadelphia. I've seen it. I don't know why. But what? I, I think he's going to be on the trade block pretty much soon because, you know, DeAnthony Milton does what he does and a lot more. He's being what Matisse is supposed to be. He's just a little bit shorter, you know, not as rangy. But he's a great defender. But he's actually helping us, not just with three-pointers. He's going to the right. Like, he's. He's been a pleasant surprise, and I think he's making Matisse Thibel expendable, especially because with the addition of P.J., where's Matisse Thibel going to find minutes? Because you can't play with dude because then you got two people on the floor at the same time that's going to give you absolutely nothing on offense. So, you know, even with Joel, um, Harden, and Maxi out, Thibel's not playing minutes. He's not getting any minutes because like, he, he just doesn't help. <laughs> it's crazy, man. But, yo, P.J. Tucker, back to, back to him, man. $10 million a year. He got three points in five games. What's up with your man? P.J. angers me because if you ever heard him, and, and, and he's not a bad dude, at least from the little that I've seen in the he's very – Aging, he's very he he has certain qualities, if you will. But damn it, you can't be a professional basketball player and be that completely inept offensive. Like I'm thinking of the defensive stoppers through the years. Man, even Ruben Patterson could give you 15 a night. I mean, and PJ Tucker has this what? reputation for hitting the corner three. You know, I've only seen like five of them my whole life, but. He had this reputation like he's supposed to be over there just splashing people down. Like Yo Yo, when I first encountered PJ Tucker and it was in uh we're paying attention to him when he was in Phoenix, PJ Tucker was giving you twelve a game. PJ right. was giving you twelve a game, PJ would hit PJ would hit three for six from the corner, PJ would go to the rack, throw up some 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 Charles Barkley uh Witherspoon type of uh, layups that would go in. Like, he, he could – he could and he would defend. Somewhere in the mix of all of this, he said to be damned with offense. All I care about is buying Jordan, buying just expensive watched. sneakers, interviewing, and playing a whole lot of defense. And switching sneakers at halftime to show you all how many pairs I got. <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't know. You don't score – Yo, how you switching sneakers and and, fl- and and fronting 
and you scoring three three points in five games. Yeah. Where they do that at? All right. So, yeah, that's P.J. Not helping much on the offensive end. Uh, quote of the week. The way that I handled the situation wasn't right. I've got to be a better football player, and then I've got to be a better leader for these guys. I have an opportunity to turn the page here as a player and a leader. That is from former Jets starting quarterback Zach Wilson, who has been benched, not even – you know, he, he hasn't even been moved to a backup. He's inactive now after his 77-yard performance last week um, against – who are they playing? The Patriots? Um, but what the biggest thing was – because remember, this cat is only 22. He's from BYU, um, not a powerhouse program whatsoever, but he was taken with the third pick of the 2021 draft. So he's supposed to be their future. Um, besides his performance, um, I want to add that he had – two yards passing in the second half of the game. But the two yards passing or did they have two yards of total offense in the second half of the game? So it wasn't just him that was playing, that was thinking it yeah, up. Yeah, it was but old. as the quarterback, what he did, he went into the post-game press conference and totally appeared to not take any accountability whatsoever. And you know, B, first and foremost, when you're an NFL quarterback, when you're the future of a franchise, when you're considered the franchise quarterback – whether you believe it or not, you got to go up there and take blame, you know, when things happen. And if you're not, you got to have a resume that allows you to get away with that kind of stuff. But they were asking him questions about, like, when the defense is playing the way that they're playing, do you feel like you guys on the offensive end, like, totally let them down? And he was like, no. And then when they were asking him about some of his throws, he started talking about the windy conditions out there when – you know, Matt jo- Mac Jones, who's 50% less talented than he is, went like 20 for 26 on the day for 200 and something yards. But he's constantly giving excuses and he's constantly not taking accountability. And being 22, trying to be a leader of men, those men didn't really take kindly to that because you heard some quotes coming out of that locker room. And then Robert Saleh, the coach, ended up benching him. He's claiming you know, we're doing this in the hopes that he will again play this season. Because the Jets are still in the playoff race right now. So this Yo, is what makes it great, crazy. They're, and they're not putting in Flacco. They're, they're putting in they're putting in White. And, you know, he, he has, hasn't proven anything in the league. But um, so what do, what do you think about this? Like, do you think there's a possibility that he's done as a Jet this quickly? Or do no. you really think they are teaching him a lesson? Or do you think there's more to the story that they that they let on? Like, was there, this like there, the there straw that broke more, the camel's back? Because this isn't the first is more, week that I've heard that he walks around the locker room as if he's not the problem. There is more to the story. There's more going on. There's more to see here. However, I think the straw that broke the camel's back is this action meaning it, they're not looking to release him or move on from him. They're looking to teach him a lesson, a very valuable one, like right now. Like, yo, young boy, humble yourself, because right now you're a bad teammate and you're not a leader of right. men, and you're not going to be able to be a leader of men if you don't hold yourself accountable to a standard higher than they do so that they can look to you as their leader. A little bit. I mean, it, it, he's he sounds like Carson Wentz. Right. 
I mean, so Carson, that, even Carson Wentz knew what to say. It was Carson Wentz. It was a matter of us believing him due to his actual actions, but you know he never went in there just pointing the fingers at everybody else. But behind closed doors, it was supposed to be a different, you know, attitude with Carson Wentz. Now he did apologize after losing his uh, his his starting job. He said he had a sick feeling in his stomach, um, alluding to the uproar that he caused. Um, he acknowledged his poor play, didn't uh, question the coach's decision, and they said he actually on Wednesday took his whole team, you know, took a moment with the whole team and apologized to them. So for me, it's like, okay, if there isn't too much more to this story, that could be the start of him getting back to where he needs to be. But what I want to ask you be like, do you ruin a kid with this type of thing? We've seen some highly touted quarterbacks get benched early in their career and, and never recover from it. Josh Rosen, um, shit, Matt Leinart, uh, cats like that. Even though Matt Leinart got benched for Kurt Warner, you know what I'm saying, Josh Rosen, I forgot who they threw him. I think he might have got benched for, like, Tyrod Taylor or something like that. Um, yeah. But this dude, even even Nathan Peterman, he was never supposed to be the future or anything, but, you know, they sat him down and put in – their future quarterback and and Josh Allen. But this dude is getting benched for Mike White. (laughs) Like, a lot of people are like, I ain't going to hold you, dude. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) All right, I'm saying. They got Joe Flacco on the roster, and they're benching him for Mike White. So, for me, it's like, okay, if you bench him and you put in Joe Flacco, the grizzled veteran who has a Super Bowl MVP, then you kind of understand that as a lesson. I'm going to let the old head show you how to be a professional. You're benching him for somebody that we don't even know is better than him. But we have heard things out of Jets camp that Mike White might have been better in training camp, but Zach Wilson had to get the job because Zach Wilson was the number three pick. But we've seen Mike White in action a couple times. Besides one game where he played pretty well, it wasn't really pretty. So this is what I'm asking you. If you're going to bench him and it's all about a lesson and you expect him to be back – wouldn't you be mentioning him for Flacco, who led them to at least two of their wins earlier in the season when uh, Zach was hurt? Like this, this is where it confuses um, me. Like, why is Flacco not playing? Flacco might be trying to teach up this coach, lesson. Coach's role. <laughs> I, I I do think they're trying to teach. Um, I don't think you're walking away from a kid that's got you to a winning record or been a part of getting you to a winning record. I think this is lessons, but now it's a it's a it's a risky play. It's a risky play, but here's what I here's what I would say to that. If you don't do it now, right, you you run the risk of Josh Rosen of of a uh, bull from USC, Matt Liner. Uh, you you run that risk, but if you don't nip this in the bud now, you turn him into Ryan Leaf. So. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't, and it's a better, it's better to put the onus on him to climb up out of that pit than to allow him to stand on that empty mountain with no foundation of pride and hubris and all of that. Like if he can't lead men as a quarterback in the NFL, he can't play. I don't care how talented he is. So, yeah, it's a risk, but if the coach looks at it the way that I've described it, like 
they ain't going to go nowhere anyway, even if they leave him in, if, if his teammates don't respect him and believe him. Yeah. So they got to do it. I mean, well, he, you know, like I said, the first, uh, first, um, first steps have been taken. You know, he, he acknowledged things. He's terrified about the uproar that he caused. His pop called him and asked him, is he doing? So <laughs> I, I think he's starting to see that his attitude has to be a little bit different. He apologized to the team. So we'll see, man. I hope it's not the end for the kid, but I know he has some discernible talent. Um, He's going to have to be able to stay out there and be able to show it. And and walking around after throwing for 70 yards and acting like you ain't the problem is not the way <laughs> to go about any of that. But, but but shout out to him. We'll see how he, you know, we see how he handles adversity. I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence in today's generation with adversary, adversity, but we'll see. All right, so look, before we do our NFL pick six and then, talk about what happened while y'all are on the grind we're gonna go to the phone lines man speaking of devil we got a little bro we got the homie rob calling out calling from cali on the west coast so shout out to him for being up with us this early rob, rob what's going my on man, rob up at six in the morning well, six in the morning copies at my door go ahead yeah man I got Kanye West, Adidas, man, sleep on my bathroom floor, you know what I'm saying? But how y'all doing, man? Good, how you? Man, you, <laughs> you sound like you're on the West Coast. 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 You sound like you're on what you, what's what's um, going on? Happy, happy happy Turkey Day to you. Whatever you yeah, celebrate, happy, happy Thanksgiving, you know. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to, to all y'all, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, uh, Jimmy's not here, you know what I'm saying? I never met TJ, you know what I'm saying? But happy Thanksgiving to him, you know, the rest of the war room, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Broad, Broad Street, Broad Street and uh, the whole girls too, you know what I'm saying? Uh you know, yeah. The and, uh, yeah. Hey, man. Hey, uh, man shout out bro, to them. Another to tell you, man, program. I said it. I said it on air earlier, but I just wanted to tell you to your face, man. We appreciate you. We love you. We appreciate your support through the years, man. And we're thankful for you, man. You, you, you are a little bro. Even though we, you know, we give you a hard time, we call you retarded, Rob, and all that. We love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know I respect that because some of these podcasts, some of these other places I go, man, these dudes be talking me crazy, man. I'm just like, you know what? They are crazy, but that I, don't they, mean they, they don't they is, yeah. People, people is crazy, but you know I, I ain't gonna lie that the, the 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 Philadelphia swag just rubs off on me, man. Y'all sense of humor, you know what I'm saying? And I haven't said John a lot, you know what I'm saying? I don't know because some of the young cats, I have no idea what they saying, man. They be like, yo, what's up, that John? <laughs> Go to Phil talking the way you talk. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's a, it's a noun. Yeah, yeah, First person plays a thing. Anything is a gem. Anything. Any, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You could have said, oh, man, let me wake up and call into this gem. Or <laughs> 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 you can go in the bathroom and there's a towel on the floor. And you tell somebody, yo, pick that gem up. Like anything is a gem. <laughs> anything. Uh, Your girl. I'm like, Rob, like, if you were a young lady, I come whisper in your ear, yo, is that your gym? 
Anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't really go wrong with that unless you, you know, try to use it as a verb or something. You can't really go wrong with with saying Jim because it's anything. So uh, what you want to talk about in this Joan? <laughs> okay. I do want to ask y'all real quick because you know I want to bounce around. I was having a conversation with some ladies about women's sports the other day, right? How come, because, and maybe if I'm wrong, but y'all can correct me. In the early 90s, um, I say in the early 90s or late 90s, there was a good surge uh, and up until 2000 for women's basketball. What changed? Was it the promotion? Was the NBA not promoting anymore? What changed, or was there ever, like, such a thing? And I just want to talk about that real quick. I'm going to be frank here, and, you know, a yeah. lot of women aren't going to like right. it. Um, it's boring, Rob. Um, yeah. the funny, the, but the funny thing about that, when I say that, because, you know, I remember that. I mean, the WNBA was new in 1996, so there was a big push. I used to go to WNBA games back in 96. I used to, I would, in Houston a couple of times um, around that time and, and, you know, went to see the, the Comets play when they was dominating everybody, and you know, from like 96 to 2000. Um, but to be 100% real, you look at an NBA game and you look at, you know, a women's game, or you look at a men's college game, look at a women's college game. It's just the level of excitement. To keep it 100%, if you're teaching somebody how to play basketball, you're teaching a kid how to play basketball, you actually would rather them watch the women's game because it's way more fundamental. But when you've watched sports as long as all of us have, like, and and just the, the general public, casual fans especially, they just want to see excitement. You want to see high-flying dunks. You want to see people running fast, getting crossed up. Not saying, you know, a lot of women don't do some of that stuff, but it's just not at the same level. So if you have this, I guess a lot of people think, like, why should I waste my time watching this if I have the same product and it's much more exciting? So that's why I think they get lost in the shuffle. It's a shame. And and what's what's even a bigger shame about the whole thing is you get a lot of feminists coming at everybody's neck about it, but on the low, they're not supporting the product either. They just like to jump on the train and, and complain about everything. But the uh, same people that are telling you that NBA is not promoting it like they should, last time you've been to a WNBA game. Well, I, well, Rob, oh, yeah, well, 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 FOH. Rob, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to say much, uh, I ain't going to say much different. Um, I think that professional women's basketball players deserve respect. Um, They are tremendous athletes. They're great players, but there's just a difference. There's a difference between what is done in the NBA and what is done in the WNBA. It's, It's almost a completely different game. Their game is based on and predicated upon skill. Um, like seriously, who do you want to see dunk? Lisa Leslie or or Blake Griffin? Like, Lisa Leslie or Zion Williams? Who you want to see dunk? Like some little, you know, Lisa Leslie dunks that I did when I was sixteen, when you barely get yeah, the rim yeah. and you pulling half like, the rim Rob. down because you because you ain't that high. Like 
yeah, 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 you're right, because, like, you know, I was trying to tell people the other day, like, you know, some of these extremists don't, uh, don't know. It's like men who play basketball, who watch basketball, support women's sports and the women. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Rob, and, and, I think they Rob, because they feel like guy, they have to. You look at a guy. They're going to look a certain like way if they don't. Zion. Zion's 6'7 and 350 and got a 40-some-inch vertical. Do you know any young ladies that are six seven and three three forty? And if you do, they're probably not playing basketball. Yeah, sure. and we got a woman in the chat room. Neil says, you know, if I'm being honest, I prefer seeing men being physical over women. So it's, it's just it's just a whole different look aesthetically. Um, and and like I said, that's me being able to be objective and admit that. But I can also be objective and admit that I do watch women's. Uh, basketball. I, I, and like I said, I have three children I watch everything, but especially now, I have three children that I'm trying to groom and teach the game to. Like, it's better to show them that because you can you tell don't, the you don't kids... Want them Jordan, you don't want your kids watching you, Jordan Poole learning how to dribble. Right, but you can also you can see the kids who come into the gym who watch a lot of NBA basketball because they're trying to do a lot of weird stuff that you can't even really do at that age because they're looking at the, the, the finished product and not caring about the work that went in. Every kid, you, you walk into any gym, Rob, and you'll see 10-year-olds launching threes from 30 feet. Why? Because they want to be like Steph. But they don't want to put the work in that Steph puts in. They just want to do what they see Steph do. So – Youth basketball now is some of the worst stuff that you will ever watch in your life because all you see is bad shots. All you see is uh, kids jacking threes. Like, it, it's terrible. But I'm, I'm from a basketball purist standpoint, NBA basketball is terrible right now. But it's I, still I, more I exciting than that other stuff. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm not – because I want to jump the football real quick. I'm not a big three-point fan. I hate three-pointers, man. And it's just like they burn it out. They burn it out for me. It's just like when I used to uh, – I used to – because I took, like, in, in college, I took a, a Latin dancing, right? And I like dance merengue. Now, the, now the, play, the country that has a national dance merengue is the Dominican Republic. And I really want to go there. I plan on going there until around a couple of years ago – Burn it out. And so I'm like, no, I ain't going to go there anymore. I can't go. I want to go dance, meet people. I'm like, but, you know, I can still bounce around to Trinidad and the Virgin Islands and stuff like that. I can go there. But, yo, anyways, uh, <laughs> I do want to ask y'all this, too. Uh, first of all, I, 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 do, I do like what y'all, what y'all talked about, Sam Dalton, but y'all forget one more guy who said something salacious. In 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 the press conference, and um, and it cost him his career. I think um, your boy RG three, Mister Norbit. You know when he ripped the. I think I guess I remember he ripped the team, and Gruden came and ripped him, and you know yeah, I mean certain situations. That's what I was saying. Like certain certain situations, you just can't point fingers, like. You've had a couple of people mad over the last few weeks that Aaron Rodgers was kind of, you know, kind of throwing a couple of teammates under the bus. Yeah, 
Aaron Rodgers. You can't do that. But I, I mean, that. you're not supposed to can. as a leader either way, but Aaron Rodgers can come out here and throw for 300 yards in three straight games. Packers can get back into the winning column, and you're going to forget that it ever happened because he has a exactly. resume prior to and probably will have a resume after those comments that'll that'll make a lot of people say, well, well he Aaron Rodgers, he can say what he want to say. Tom Brady, he can say what he want to say. You're year, 22-year-old second-year player who hasn't proven anything yet, hasn't even proven that you should have been the third pick yet, you you got to have way more humility than that. You know what I'm saying? You, you just – you got to, especially because the Jets' defense is balling. So you don't want to be out there, like, you know, on your McNabb because, you know, your man did that too. You remember the NFC Championship game against uh, the Cardinals where they asked him about it and he had the nerve to say, I left the field with a lead. He had the nerve to say that after the defense carried us to where we were that year. We were only 9-6-1 and one that year, whatever the record was. Um, you know that what? was a year that, that he that, didn't know that you could tie in, in games. That, and we that, weren't supposed is, to be game that year. We ended up making it because, because the defense was ball. That is true. That is true. He did. So, he yeah, did. You, can't, you can't throw, especially when you got a unit, you know, like, like the – you know, if you have a great defensive unit, even in a game where they slip up and they're allowing some stuff to happen and, you know, they allow a late lead to be taken, you can't throw them under the bus when they didn't carry you for the whole season. And that's the situation here, too. This Jets defense is balling out of control. They might have a Super Bowl defense over there, and the offense isn't helping at all, and the young leader of the offense doesn't want to take accountability. It's the wind. <laughs> it's not him. It's like, come on, dude. Even if you don't believe it, don't be don't be an a hole. It's too young. You're too young and haven't proven anything. You can't be an a hole yet. You gotta take it on the chin. <laughs> Word. Speaking of the, the win, I want to ask y'all this too about my Eagles because first of all, and, and, and to all the Eagles fans, first of all, shout out to everybody. I'm not I'm not a Jordan Davis fan. I don't want to blame him because he's not there. He only played like his, his big ass, his fat ass. Only played. Let's get my language. Only played like twenty snaps a game. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, bro, let me cut you off because this is one of the rare times where we kind of agree. I'm I'm not. I don't agree with the I don't like him part. He's cool, but people are making such a big deal out of him being gone and us um, getting gashed in the run. We were giving up five yards per carry prior to Jordan Davis, you know, even coming into his own and then getting hurt. We were giving up five yards per run. We've been pretty mediocre against the run from the jump. Do people not forget how the Lions bullied us in game in week one on the ground? Now, people are saying, well, he helped a lot. Yeah, he does help a lot. And then the stats are coming out saying, you know, Jordan Davis on on plays when he's in the game – they're only getting 3.74 yards per carry. My issue with that is, just like you just said, it was only playing 18, 20 snaps a game, though, because of his, his conditioning levels. So, okay, when they decide to run when he's in, lately they haven't been getting a lot of yards. But we were giving up five yards a pop as a team with him because he's not in the game every play. So people, to me, are overblowing that situation a little too much. Oh, God, if we had Jordan Davis, we would – yes, we would. Because Jordan Davis would be in there for a third of the plays. Like, come on, y'all. Y'all got to – it's context to everything, man. I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but I was I was right there with you with that. Except for the I don't like him, but yeah. I like the dude. But 
I, I, I didn't like the pick. I didn't like the pick. I thought he was too big. I thought we should have got Wyatt. I thought, it, or either they could trade back and get more picks. I, I would, I would have been cool with that. The, the thing is too, and I want to ask this other thing too. Real part, because I want to ask the Austin and any of us. But the other one, but the thing is too is that you know we need to get younger at the D line because you know I love Fletcher Cox, but he's done. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Brandon Graham's not really useful. We need to get younger at the D line. But um, I, I want to hopefully in the off season. But I want to ask the Austin. Graham is a, a late game playmaker I, though. My dude. He's not going to get you a million sacks, but he's going to get you out of some tight situations. He's going he gonna to make the play when it needs to be made. <laughs> and and, and we've seen that. I, I will say that. But I want to ask you all this. I feel that we're not allowing Jalen Hurts to throw the ball downfield more like more than 15, 20 yards. You know what I'm saying? And I feel that he can, can make those throws. <laughs> he shows that George, he can make those George throws. Only throw the ball 15, 20. It's like, no. Nah. I mean, with the, with the Hurts situation, I think they throw down the field plenty. Probably sometimes a little more than, you know, my taste desires <laughs> until he shores that up. I like the adjustment that he made, and it, and it hasn't been of late. Earlier in the season, you know, the people who wanted to believe something that wasn't the case last year and want to say I told you so they're not realizing that he made adjustments that takes and and this is stuff we said back when it was happening so I don't understand the told you so that we've gotten he made the adjustments that makes his arm strength less of an issue he throws the ball earlier on his deep balls which we said as a solution last season you know, when people were lying to themselves about what he really was at the time. So I love the adjustments that he's made. Last three weeks, looks like people have started to catch up a little bit. Now, all season long, any game when we weren't hammering teams and we were challenged late in the game, what do the Eagles do when we really need it? What do we do? When we need a drive, run the ball. what do the Eagles do? They run they the run ball. The they try to have him pass all game, and when it doesn't work, when we need it, they run the ball. And that's what a lot of people – I don't understand. Like last week – and I'm rooting for the kid, man, because I would love to have those two picks, that early New Orleans pick, and not have to package them all for a quarterback. If this dude is that guy, you know how talented this team could be if we get to use those picks on actual talent instead of having to package them to get a quarterback. So I want him to be right. that guy. Right. But last week, right. when, he, when he got his first – "Quote unquote, last you know game-winning drive of his career, dude. We threw the ball one time the whole drive and got the pass interference. The rest was all run, 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 and then the quarterback draw for the touchdown. And they were really hyping it. Jalen, Jalen Hurts has arrived. He showed that he can do this at the end. Yo, they ran the ball though. I'm like, like every nobody wants to be patient. Nobody wants to be patient." Maybe no, in the next, really, in the coming weeks, he'll have those drives where where he arrives like that. But come on, man, they ran the ball like twelve times. <laughs> yeah, we, listen, uh, Rob, I'll be the first to admit, man, I'm I'm very pleased with what I'm seeing from Jalen Hurts in terms of his development because what I saw from the time he stepped on the field for us first to now is almost night and day, but. We know what his deficiencies are. I think 
he knows what his deficiencies are, more importantly. And most importantly, Sirianni understands what his deficiencies are. And probably last of all, your favorite guy, Howie Roseman understands what his deficiencies and limitations are. So the team is structured. The offense is structured play to his strengths and do what he does and for him to not make mistakes. I would love for us, and it looks like we are. That's why he got old runners and playmakers on our old, old school balanced, old school balanced approach. Yo, you're only going to throw the ball 20, 25 times a game. No more than 30. We're going we gonna to throw it 25. We're going to run it 25. We're going to throw it 25. We're going to run it 30. Like that, who we are, and I'm cool with that. And yet I make fun of his arm strength because it's an easy joke to get off with people, just your right. casual football fan. But the reality not is it's not important to have a strong arm like Joe Montana's arm was weaker, was, weaker than, was weaker than my co-host. So was Drew Brees. Like, what the, Drew Brees... What the, B, what them little dudes say? <laughs> it ain't the size of the boat. It's the motion in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> motion in the ocean. <laughs> them little yeah. balls say, Joe, Joe Montana and Drew Brees are some noodle-armed quarterbacks who are all-time great, like top five ever. Like, it doesn't really matter that Jalen Hurts has a weak arm if he's able to master anticipation and 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 throwing with accuracy. If he gets that down and he reads the game, and because he's a coach's son, I think he will, reading the game, he'll be great. Like, he can get to greatness with the limitations that he has on his physical. Like, I, I, I believe it. So I'm happy to see the adjustment. All that my said, only, Rob, My only pet peeve left with Jalen Hurts, and that's, and, and that's saying a lot because last season there were a lot. My real only pet peeve left with with dude, he refuses to climb the pocket. He refuses. If he sees anybody, he's bailing out the other way, which leads to holding calls. Even even though now he'll throw the ball, even though he'll throw the ball, he's spinning and whirling outside to throw. Instead of climbing, which which is a difficult, he's making it more difficult on himself because when you spin out. You now have to take your eyes off of what's going on down the field mm-hmm. and reacquire your target. That's a hard thing to do. But I, and, and B, and, and Rob, I think a climber can even be more effective when you're mobile like that because if he climbs and he doesn't see anything right away, then you just shoot the gap. Yeah. Like yeah, Tom Brady and yeah. them not going to do that. They're going to climb, climb, climb until they can throw you get rid of the ball. If you don't see anything, boom, then you're shooting the gap. You're making it easier than having to run around 15 yards to get to the outside, and now, you know, you're getting a, a four-yard carry to the sideline because everybody pulled out with you. Climb the yeah. pocket. And, and, a, and, a clever could be, and a clever could be an effective runner, you know what I'm saying, because – because you can easily avoid the pass, well, step to the left, step to the right, you know. But some people, though, Rob, they just weren't bred like that. So I don't think it's – that that peace of mind is not in his head because he's never been that guy. So it's not like I don't understand why. Like a lot of dudes, 
especially who's, who's relied on their athleticism, they're not about and they never had to step up into the muck. So they're not really prepared to do that. He's like, man, why do I need to do that if I can get around here and outrun somebody to the edge? But I, but really? if you can get if that's you can bring that in his head, he'd be much more effective, much more. That ain't always going to work. But no, I like I like I like where Jalen Hurts' development is going. Uh, Howie is the greatest GM that we've seen in the last twenty five <laughs> years. Uh, get you mad? We, we agree. I think we agree on that, Rob. And so. <laughs> It's what he's done in building that team. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm happy, man. I'm happy. Man, he's the only guy I know that can curse out fans and still be professional. Cause it's so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, don't you don't you think what Howie did in 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 getting not only you know the line shored up, but getting you the receivers that you always crave so much, getting you the cornerback. It's almost like he listened to us both, Rob. Wouldn't you say? I think, he got you I everything think, you wanted. He got me everything I wanted. I, you know, the Eagles I think, got the you know best what? offensive line in football. They got one of the best defensive I, rotations in football as far I, as their line. We finally got I, a couple of decent. We ain't got no world beaters. Like I still, I still don't understand this part about Howie, how he resides in the state with linebacker university and we never have any of the we got no from line, linebacker university. Like yeah, we, we yeah, never drafted yeah. any of those guys, but we got some decent linebackers now. It's not as skinny a position as it once was, but it's not great. I, I think, I, I, I think, I hope, I hope, well, two things I hope for Howie. I hope he stopped listening to the analytics team unless it's to the more of the of the um, of the scout department. No, he listens. He listens to the war room, uh, Rob. I <laughs> and two and, and two. I just hope that, like you said, one thing that he should do more is that he should drive. Look at the locals. Look at Temple. Look at people from Penn State. This is some good. I was about to say, I, I get no, Penn no, State, no. but Temple, nah. I'm no, good. I mean, no, I know no, we got no, a good no, linebacker no. from Temple, but he wasn't a, you know, that's once in a while. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah like Hassan Reddick, if we would have, <laughs> I would I would have been love. more comfortable if he drafted Hassan Reddick in a draft attempt than um. Uh, no, I feel you, but don't 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 think for a minute that Hassan Reddick is normal. That ain't you know that ain't normal coming that out. Ain't of no, that ain't normally so. with that temple. Right? <laughs> yeah, that ain't <laughs> normal coming. Out of I give you the Penn State. Like he definitely should be looking at Penn State more for things. You know, we got our running back from Penn State, but I mean that is linebacker. You like if you reside in that state and you don't scout linebackers from that school, then something's kind of wrong with you. But how we never seem to really put much stock into linebackers. Maybe that's changing now, but. I, all I, all I, my only issue with Howie has always been, especially early in drafts, he always wants to fool you. He always wants to be the smartest person in the room and try to get somebody who has the best upside. Sometimes you just got to take the best football player, all right? You know, because I know you want to bring up the the Justin Jefferson thing. Like, it wasn't just him. Like all the pundits. Yeah, Jalen Rager has the biggest ceiling of all of these receivers. So you want to be the smartest guy in the room and you think in future, man, just get the dude that's performing now. You know what I'm saying? Justin Jefferson, all them other dudes killing college football right now. 
you go to the dude from the smallest program out of all of out of you know all of the top notch receivers, and you're over scouting because what they say will never it will never it will never be untrue. Jalen Rager still has the biggest upside, biggest ceiling. That don't mean he gonna jump up and never get close to touching it just because he has it. You know what I'm saying? Tim Thomas had the biggest ceiling of most basketball players we've ever said. You know, we always use him as an example. But he ain't jump up to touch it. He won't come off his tippy toes. So, you know, sometimes that happens. But, but Rob, we got to go, man. You've been on here for like 30 I, minutes. So I don't want to hear I, you complaining about nobody else getting those long segments. <laughs> we got we to gotta get up. We got some what, stuff to talk about before what, we roll. But go ahead. Last point. What, make, make your what, last point. What, what, one last thing. First of all, shout out to all y'all. Thank you. I appreciate y'all for. Um, no doubt. You know, I I I, 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 might, I might have to buy Jimmy's book again. Maybe time and space. I'm about to buy that. You know, I'm about to buy Jimmy's book. And no doubt. Uh, oh yeah, the World of Sports merch. You know I'm, what I'm saying? I'm still writing um, mine. I'm still on the first page. Uh, I, I've been I, on the first page I, for six six years, but. I I I I do want to say this. I do want to say this. And I hate to do this, but this is to the damn Cowboys, right? I hate to do this, right? <laughs> as much yeah. because um, okay, Doctor Terrence Roberts, right? For from a Little Rock Nine, I remember listening to him years ago. I think I, I was I was an early college student. Yeah, I'm going to keep bringing this up before we get to talk about it. Go ahead. No, we, we got it. No, no, ain't good. Let it him get his team. off. Let him get his, let him get his opinion off. We're going to talk about it later. Be, be, Go ahead. Because, because when – and I encourage everybody, talk to the elders now before they become ancestors, right? Amen. Because, because like, you know, some people would react – some people – like their place in history is different, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, I didn't know my great, well, my great grandma, uh, great, yeah, my great grandmother was wanted to help, you know, down South Carolina, and she had, and you know, she has a, a perspective of do of doing things, you know, at that time, right? And you know, and other things. But one thing I talked to Terrence Roberts said, you know, because he really. His epiphany at that time, he was he was one of the little rock nine. Was like, yo, white folk are crazy, which they still are, and of how you know the the little rock nine were treated when they were in in the um, in high school. He actually he actually I guess one day he said he met up with the oh met up. He said somebody approached him saying that uh, that they went to school with him at that time. And you know, at that, you know, you come up, you you know, you're a little startled, like, oh snap, like, yo, like, I gotta brace myself. But he's like, no, nah, I wasn't the one doing you. I was the one who, you know, was there, and I actually watched what happened to you, and I actually feel sorry. And so, some people at that time, you know, saying nothing can be saying something, but some people at that time were too cow, too cowardly to do stuff. So, do I give? Jerry Jones, a benefit of a doubt. I don't know. I can't say that because I'm an Eagles fan. But it's <laughs> something to we could all look at his because with with Donald Sterling and people like that, things go in trends. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm saying trends and um patterns of behavior. You know what I'm saying? So 
I, I, you gotta look at Jerry Jones' pad. Maybe, is this the first time you see him, man? Are we gonna see him at Claire? Are you gonna see him at Sleep? Where are we gonna see him? So I don't know. So yeah. We'll All see. right, well just just keep listening because we're gonna talk about that before we roll out. We're gonna give our thoughts on that whole situation. But yo, thanks for 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 calling as usual, man, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. All right. You too. Y'all take care, man. Peace. Yeah, man. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate you. All right, so real quick, we're going to do our NFL pick six. I mean, this week it's a pick three plus three because we got the three uh, Thanksgiving games, of course, that uh, we're going to chow down to all day in those games. The early game is the Bills at Lions. That middle game is the Giants at Cowboys, divisional matchup. And it's a lot at stake at that game. And then the, the nightcap is going to be the Patriots at the Vikings. So, Bills at Lions. The Bills have been in Detroit pretty much for the for the past week because they had 66 inches of – that's ridiculous, man. They had like 66 inches of snow in Buffalo, and uh, they played their last home game. Um, they moved it to Detroit, and then, of course, they're playing in Detroit for Thanksgiving this week, so they've been there for the past uh, week or so. Um, what's your thoughts on this game? We know that the Lions are – a new competitive version of the Lions, but, you know, it's been rare that they've been able to get over the hump and and, and pull out some of these games. Uh, They won last week, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the Lions going Lion. Uh, You think they have any hopes of beating the Buffalo Bills today on Thanksgiving? Or are they going to get their turkey stuff, Paul? (laughs) They're going to get their turkey stuff. No, you know what? Let me not say, let me not say that. Um, the Lions aren't terrible right now. Right. They they but, seem like a young team that's trying to build, trying to get over humps, yeah. trying to learn how to win. That's the most important thing right there. Yeah. Like they still haven't yeah. learned how to win. They, they're talented. They're competitive. But they haven't learned how to win. I feel like Josh Allen being who he is – the Bills being who they are, having suffered through some adversity. Um, you know, I don't want to pick the Bills because I think that Josh Allen is the type of guy that wouldn't mind going back in history and standing with Jerry Jones uh, in 1957, but that's not a whole other topic. I got to go with the Bills. I got to go yeah, with the Bills. But I wouldn't I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Um, uh, yeah, Detroit's home is – pretty much their home this week. So I think they're going to treat the the, the the Lions like it's their house instead of the Lions' house. Um, but I expect a good game, man. That's what you don't get a whole lot on Thanksgiving with the Lions. You know, we, we've done this show 13 years on Thanksgiving, and we've complained on at least eight, nine of them of why this tradition is what it is and why we have to bear the Lions, um, <laughs> you know, all the time on Thanksgiving, but I'm I'm not this year. I like this version of the Lions, this competitive version of the Lions. It should be at least, at very least, a good game. But I'm going to go with the Bills as well. That's a 12:30 kickoff. Um, the 4:30 kickoff in Dallas, divisional matchup, NFC East, the seven and three New York Giants, the seven and three Dallas Cowboys. This game is for sole possession of second place in the NFC East. Who do you think – who needs this game more? Like, the stakes are higher for which team? 
Giants, the Giants needed more mm-hmm. uh, from a record standpoint and to stay pat with the rest of the division and to have that chance to make that run. Um, I think just from the hype train being what it is, um, the Cowboys needed to maintain the hype that fuels their base and I think fuels them. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Giants needed more than the Cowboys. Just mathematically, the Giants needed more. Right. Um, yeah. I, I agree but with I'm, that, B, because I kind of think the Giants are on that decline that we've waited to happen. Yeah. I give them we props would, yeah, for, you know, getting this many wins before it started to happen, but I think they're on decline that we expected. Like, I still don't expect the Giants to go to the playoffs. So this game would go a long way into helping them, like you said, stay, stay pat with, with you know, the Eagles and, and the Cowboys. They win this. I think if the Cowboys lose, they have more of a chance to make it up in further weeks. But yeah, they win. They win this. If they win Mm -hmm. this, if the Giants win this, they're going to the playoffs. If they lose today, mathematically, they could still go. But I think it's the end of their season. I think, and and I agree with you about the, the. I think the Giants need it more because, like I said, I think whoever loses this game, I think if the Cowboys were the loser, they would have a better chance to bounce back and keep their hopes alive. I think if the Giants lose, it will just continue the decline that I expected um, from the door. But on the other side, I think there's a lot of pressure on Dallas because Dallas just finished dismantling the team with the second-best record in the NFC, in the Minnesota Vikings. So it's one of those things where you want – you want to show consistency as a quote-unquote contender because that's what, you know, your boy Dak, I know you, you don't think he's good at all, but that's what he hasn't shown. He hasn't shown consistency. Some weeks he's a world beater, and in some weeks he's average. Same thing with the team as a whole. So do you want to beat the Vikings 40-3 to and then come out on Thanksgiving at your house and lay an egg? Because then you still got those questions like, are we real or are we not? So both of these teams need this in different ways, but I just think the Cowboys will be able to bounce back better from a loss than the Giants would. Cowboys, uh, Cowboys with that more, being said, I expect not even just consistency, but after you beat Minnesota like that, like I, I just think you're a better team than the Giants right now. So I, I, I think the Cowboys are going to win this. Uh, I'm picking the Cowboys. And I meant to say, say this to Rob before we, before he got off. I I was going to make him mad for the rest of his Thanksgiving. But a lot of Eagles fans not going to like this. We're not better than the Cowboys right now. Our record says we are, but <laughs> we're not better than the Cowboys right now. Yeah. Maybe the Cowboys yeah. can show that inconsistency I'm talking about, go out there and lay an egg today, and I could change my tune. But the way they look <laughs> at this moment, I don't really want that smoke. I don't want to. I don't want to be the ones in the playoffs that's tasked with making them do their normal choke job. Let somebody else do that. <laughs> Let somebody else <laughs> do that. Uh, who you got? Um, who do I have in the, in what the uh, in this game? This, I, I didn't hear your pick. Oh, uh, cow bumps. Okay. All right, in the nightcap, the eight twenty game. Um, six and four New England going to see eight and two Minnesota after like I said, after Minnesota got straight pummeled by the Cowboys last week. 
do they show a sense of pride and go out here and try to redeem themselves against, a, you know, a pretty basic but decent New England team who's still in the playoff hunt of their own? You know, you can never really fully count out uh, a Bill Belichick team. Um, so who you got in this one? I'm going to go ahead and say Minnesota. The problem with Yo. this is it's, it's, a, it's a night game. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you got primetime Kirk, man. I'm going to go with the narrative, man. I'm going to go with the narrative. I got New England pulling the upset. Um, <laughs> and, of course, I'm rooting for New England to pull the upset because that gives the Eagles uh, more cushion in the, in the race for the number right. one seed. Um, because of what I said with the bounce back, I think I'm rooting for the Giants to win. Um, you know, because I, I I think they have the, the oh, no, I need propensity the to win. fall off better than the the Cowboys would. So I would like the Giants to win. I would like the uh, the Patriots to win and the Buffalo Detroit. I don't I don't really care. I just want to see a good game. Um, all right, so let's go to the plus three for the games later in the week. The Sunday. Uh, and Sunday night games, uh, we have the um, the Falcons, which are the five and six Falcons going to see the six and five Washington Commodores. Now the Commandos have won what, like four of their last five, five of the last six, something like that. Um, with Heineke under center, they seem to be playing better. Now, this is one of those things that needs context because Heineke isn't doing too much of anything that's making this team win. But right now, it just seems like Wentz's luck has run out in this in this league. So you're going to get replaced by somebody who's not doing much. But the team is rallying around it, and they're winning. So, again, you look like the problem. Again, you're healthy, and you're not getting your job back. Uh, who you got in this matchup? This the Commandos, the the Cobra Cobra versus who? Atlanta, the Falcons. Five and six Falcons, the six and five Commandos. Um, I, I I think the Communists gonna um, I think they're gonna pull it out, man. They seven and five and 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 climbing. Cobra, Cobra the Giants is, need to be worried got, about them. Yo, for real, for real. yo, I I have no belief. I think Mariota is one of the worst quarterbacks to ever win a game. Like, I think he's <laughs> atrocious. Atrocious. No, and, notice got, and notice ain't got nothing to do with J-Boo. Um, yeah, I'm going with the commandos, the, the Cobra. Right. Cobra Command- All right, same here. Uh, two, uh, did I skip one? Oh, yeah, Bengals. Six and four Bengals at the seven and three uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, wow, Bengals. this one is a little difficult because Cincinnati might be the most inconsistent team. Like one week Joe Burrow is looking like the Joe Burrow from last year. The next week they just can't seem to get it together. One week Joe Mixon is looking like one of the best running backs in the league. The next week he got a concussion. Um, and I, I don't know. He's questionable for this week. So Samadji P. Ryan, who had a good game in his stead, might be taking over for him again. Of course, they're missing um, Jamar Chase. I, 
Oh, I think I'm gonna have to go with the Titans on this one. Out. Ah. Let me revise my pick. Tennessee. <laughs> All right, Tennessee. And last but not least, we have the Sunday night affair with your nine and one Philadelphia Eagles hosting in their brand-new all-black uniforms, including the black helmet, so you better not go out there and lay an egg looking all, you know, you know, looking all hard like that, Paul. Against the 4-7 and seven Green Bay Packers. This is one of them things, man. This is one of them 4-7 and seven teams that I don't know about everybody else. Everybody else, you know, might be confident. A 4-7 and seven team with Aaron Rodgers on it still shakes me up. I'm still a little shook. Like, I, like, the Eagles have not, in my opinion, played well. Or they haven't played great over the past three weeks. They've gotten out of two of those contests with a win. Um, I, I don't know. But I say at home, I, I, I say I'll, I'll go Eagles with this one. I'm not super confident in that pick. But I'm going to go to Eagles game. with this one. Who you got? Uh, home game, Sunday night, all black uniform, black helmet. Yeah, I'm not picking against that. I'm going I'm going Eagles. I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers because of what I think he is still capable of. And he's found I, someone, the kid Watson. He's found Watson someone. <laughs> I, I I trust in Bradbury and Slay to, to do what they need to do against that. Yo, Chauncey Gardner, nice, yo. Ball magnet. Yeah. Yeah, he about that. Yo, he about that action, ball. Um, I know what I know what I heard because we got to talk about these other things. We only got a few minutes. I just mm-hmm. I think that team is lacking talent and cohesion, and he, the fall off for Rodgers isn't off of a cliff. He just needs some help. No, he he's not, no, he not off a cliff. He's not off a cliff. I'm not gonna like. Yeah totally blame it on everybody else because I've seen him throw some uncharacteristic type throws, but overall, you know, he still got it. Frustration. He still got it. I think and that's frustration more than falling off. Yeah, All right. I'm going so with let's, let's get into uh, why y'all were on, a, on the grind this week. Uh, I guess half of y'all probably weren't on the grind and some of y'all half the time. I don't know. But while y'all were on the grind, maybe Monday and Tuesday, which is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all affordable custom website solutions, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. You can get top-quality, results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices. And, yes, financing options are available. So visit DigitalExtremeTech.com or call 267-205-4203. And for those discounted rates, be sure to tell them World Room Sports sent you. Make sure you go check out our website because it is a digital extreme tech creation. We might have some stuff on there that's a little outdated that we need to update, but just look <laughs> at the, you know, everything overall and the functionality of it. I'm pretty sure, you know, if, if you got a business and you need to do something, you, you'll be impressed enough to give them a call. So, again, that's 267 205 4203 or DigitalExtremeTech.com. So, keeping with the Commandos, the Commandos are set to unveil a Sean Taylor statue 
at FedEx Field before the team's Week 12 matchup this week against the Atlanta Falcons. We all know Sean Taylor passed away November 27, 2007, exactly 15, day, 15 years prior to Sunday's game, calling this honoring a legend. You guys have heard, if you, if you listen to us, you've heard our thoughts on this throughout the years, man. Um, Sean Taylor was a hell of a talent. Sean Taylor was improving immensely. Um, Sean Taylor in the Washington, D.C. area is beginning to be one of the most overblown players that the NFL has ever seen. And I'm not saying this from a talent standpoint because tools-wise, come on, he. He, he he was feared, beginning at least beginning to be feared, but he never, because of his death, he was never allowed to fully hit his potential. And though he was a very good player at the time, we don't know if he was going to or not. We don't know if he was going to be what we wanted, you know, what we thought he could be, what he would be. But a statue, me? What, what's your thoughts on that? A statue? I mean, we are living in the times where you know you, you score twenty. My man made my man made three Pro Bowls. Um, you, you, you get statues like they they just like to build statues these days. Man, everybody got a statue. The, Robert the Griffin problem, III got a statue at at his alma mater. Like two problems I have with this. Number one is in a vacuum. In a vacuum, Sean Taylor was my type of player. Like I like like. Everything he brought to the table, I liked and appreciated. Um, I thought that he had an opportunity to develop past, like, a Troy Palomalu uh, and his overrated ass and demonstrate some other things. Um, he literally had the perfect package, false, athletically, talent, skill. Like, he was amazing. But production on the field, he was, as you said, very, he was somewhere between good and very good. He was not great. He was not all-time. He was not perennial. He was, he was rounding the corner, as you said. And he, like, I hear conversations. So, so that's first. Then the second thing is, as you, as you know, the fans start to disrespect other players. You know what I'm talking They start to disrespect right. other players. Yeah, speed up, though. we got a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sean Taylor was not the best safety in that division. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just think, you know, I mean, if, if this is how they want to honor him, fine. You know, but, you know, when we do these type of honors, you're going to say a whole lot of stuff that about his on-field production that's going to be quite embellished. I mean, I've heard fans of the Commodores say that Sean Taylor is the greatest safety in NFL history. I've heard that. Like, that's not me making this up for effect. I've heard people say that. So I was like, this is when you, you know, you draw a line, because I don't want to say anything negative about the dude. You know what I'm saying? I, I liked the dude for, for what he was. I mean, he was an opponent, so I couldn't like him, love him all that much, but I knew what he was. I... Receivers definitely feared him as far as his, you know, physicality. But you knew you knew what he just, could like, be. He's just not in that upper echelon all time. Excuse me. You know, we say it upper echelon of all time 
type safeties, and they continue to put him there. And these type of actions put him there even more. But, hey, man, rest in power. Rest well uh, to, to Sean Taylor. Congratulations on this, you know, to, to his family. Um, they're going to do what they want to do with, with, their, with their organization. I just think, you know, they've always overblown um, his place in NFL history. And there's no other way to say that. You know, I know people I know – you know, we got a big following in the Washington area, so you know they're mad right now. Uh, we only got like two minutes left, so, you know, too late to call, but <laughs> it is what it is. All right, Natalia Bryant, Kobe Bryant's 19-year-old daughter, has gotten a court order protection, a restraining order, from an alleged stalker um, who her team, well, she got a team, says had an obsession with her, and he has an obsession with guns. So this started two years ago when she was 17. This dude is 32 years old. His name is Dwayne Kemp. She claims that he's been under delusion that they're in a relationship, said the harassment has been going on for two years and escalating. He recently showed up at USC, creeping around buildings where she's taking classes. He even showed up to her sorority house. And they said this. What's especially scary about the situation is that he's been convicted of at least four crimes, including one involving a firearm. But he is right now be in the process of buying a gun, and they said the process is, is imminent. So he's made clear on social media that he's interested in an AK-47 or a fully automated Glock. So he sent her a DM with the image of her late father, Kobe Bryant, said, thankful for him birthing you. Hopefully we can birth him, Kobe, adding a red heart to the message um, in hopes that they can have a Kobe-like child together. How scary is this? And what's even crazier to me is this is another example of our gun laws. You have a person who's been convicted of four, four crimes, at least one of them involving firearms, but he's in the midst of the process right now to buy another gun, and it's imminent. So, like, how, like, how, why do people like this get to get their hands on firearms? You don't know what this dude is going to end up doing. And then when something tragic happens, you're not going to have the excuse to say we didn't know. What's it your is his Second quick, Amendment man. right. It is his Second Amendment right to bear arms, and I will not hear of robbing that man of his rights. <laughs> Any talk? Scary. And it's one of them things, you know. Kobe's not around to protect his daughter, but I know, you know, if this situation happened to one of mine, then my freedom going to be in jeopardy, um, especially if something crazy happens and law enforcement could have done something about it. You know what I'm saying? You look at all kinds of stuff. The the Jeffrey Dahmer story is big now because, you know, you got the Netflix show, you got a documentary, so people are doing a lot of research on it and all that kind of stuff, and you realize how he could have been stopped a long time prior to, you know, everything that he ended up doing. Law enforcement just ignores things, and then when it's too late, then it's, you know, oh, sorry. <laughs> Our thoughts and condolences, our prayers. Like, come on, man. Hey, shout out to our guy, Philly slugger Bryce Harper. He had successful Tommy John surgery on his right elbow on Wednesday. Um, he's actually expected to return. Tommy John usually keeps you out for at least a season, but that's because pitchers usually get this, and you really can't come back and throw. So what Harper's going to do, they're thinking at least by the All-Star break, he can return um, – as a designated hitter, as he played 
you know, the, the last part of this season while he had the elbow injury. So, I mean, you don't pay a guy $330 million to be your DH, but until he's fully healed, that's what he's going to have to do. Kind of hurts the Phillies because we have some other guys who aren't as good in the field that should be DHing, but you also want Harper in your lineup by any means necessary. So, um, so he's going to come back as a DH and could potentially return to playing right field by the end of the regular season. So uh, shout out to him on successful surgery. So last but not least, in our last couple minutes on this, we've been alluding to it all day. Jerry Jones, a, a pitcher, has resurfaced um, from Little Rock Central High in 1957 um, when a bunch of white boys were being uh, photographed blocking the entrance and bullying black students who were attempting to integrate the high school. Jerry Jones, a young Jerry Jones, is in the picture. Um, he's not one of the guys up front you know, looking like he's taunting the guys. But, see, and, and this this be, this be is where I thought, and this is what he did. This is exactly what he did. Before I read his comments on it, I was like, looking at this photo, I'm pretty sure everybody out there was of the same mind state. But because of the, the way they captured the photo and because of where he was in the photo, he could easily spin this and just say, I was just there. I, you know, I didn't have any ill will and blah, blah, blah. I was just there. There was something that was happening, and that's exactly what he ended up saying. Jerry Jones said he went there as a quote-unquote curious thing with no intention of harassing the black students. He also said he didn't realize at the time how significant of a moment this was. He said, I don't know that I or anybody anticipated or had a background of knowing what was involved. Um, it was more of a curious thing. Now, you have – at least three or four guys in the picture who's close to the black guys, who's in their face, look like they're taunting. Like if he was one of those guys, they were, this would be indefensible. But do you believe in any way, shape, fashion, or form the words that he's saying? Or do you think, just like we thought prior, because of the picture and what they captured, he's going to be able to get out of this by saying that? Is that what you believe or you the mere the mere fact that we're entertaining it is proof positive of white supremacy in this country. And here's what I mean by that. Black black men and women, black children have never and never will be afforded the same benefit of the doubt of their actions that white men and women and white children are given. That benefit of the doubt. So you're in 1957, Arkansas, a, a, an enclave of Ku Klux Klan activity, a place where Brown versus the Board of Education uh, uh, federal officials had to be involved to ensure that this, that the segregation, that desegregation could occur. You're of a certain culture that supported and, and prop, propagated it and we're supposed to expect that all you were there was you were just there as an observer? No, man, you're a part of that culture. Me, and what he's culture. not, what he, what he's not um, alluding to, what he's not saying in all of this. Don't forget the fact that in the photo, the whole point of them being in front of the guys was to block the entrance to the school. So you're out there in a group that's blocking the entrance to the school. 
So because of where you're positioned in the in the in the photo, you can try to get away with that. And some people, like you said, B, will give him the benefit of the doubt of that. But the whole point of this was y'all were blocking the entrance of the school. So you're still in that group. So you can go out there and say, oh, I was out there because I was curious. Be curious and stand on the other side. Stand behind the guys. You're in a group that's blocking them from going into the school. So you can say what you want. And Jerry Jones over the years, like he showed it with the whole Kaepernick thing and the my guys will stand for the national anthem type stuff. You kind of show where your mind state is, that you still got a 1957 Little Rock, Arkansas mind state. So, yeah, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this. Um, I think I've always known what Jerry Jones is about. But you know what? You know who will use this, though, as, as, as a benefit of the doubt move? Black Cowboys fans. When we tease them and rag on them about what their owner is about and this photo and what was actually going on in this photo, they're going to be the ones defending him harder than anybody that you've ever seen or heard in your life just because they want to still be a fan of America. Well, that's what House, that's what house Negroes do. <laughs> Bars, <laughs> if you know, you know. Y'all don't know. <laughs> Y'all don't know. Hey, um... I think I, I think there will there's going to be a bigger conversation surrounding this. I don't think I hope that you know people are not just going to let Jerry jump off that easily. I know we're going to have more conversations around this, but before we go, because we literally have like 30 seconds now, I just wanted to mention to you, um, a soccer journalist Grant Wall uh, was in Qatar, tried to get into the stadium for the USA Wales game, wearing. Uh, soccer shirt with the rainbow around it. It was an LGBTQ themed soccer shirt. And you know how they are over in those countries. Tained by security, told him FOH he can't get into the game unless he changes his shirt. Just bringing this up because it's different over here in America. I mean, you have some people over here in America who aren't quote unquote tolerant, but there's a lot of people complaining about this and making a giant deal about this. But we can't go over there imposing our culture and what we think is okay. They're hosting this. This is their stuff. Their culture pretty much rules over there. You got anything on this real quick, B? Ten seconds? Here we go. 100%. Uh, you, the United States of America and the broader Western world they don't play that has selective, they have selective morality. So there is any number of cases of inhumane treatment of people in this hemisphere, but we choose to ignore that. But when it comes to certain classes, the rainbow folks, the uh, the untouchables, there's a big brouhaha and a big stink, man. Y'all didn't say nothing about the Haitians coming into this country getting whipped. Y'all didn't say nothing about the way the Dominican Republic is treating Haitians. Y'all didn't? Yeah. They get it. They get it, B. We got to roll, man. And on this date in sports history, y'all man Wilt Chamberlain pulled down an NBA record 55 rebounds and a 132-129 loss to the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics. So, you know, he, he bust ball, Russell up again, but still lost the game. So, look, man, we just got to thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us for our 13th annual Turkey Day potluck in the war room. Shout out to everybody in the chat room on Facebook, Twitter, our group chat, and the caller who called in to chop it up with us. Tune in next week live right here on demand at our regular time as we catch you up on all the important sports news of the week. So until then, everybody, enjoy your Thanksgiving, enjoy your weekend, enjoy college football, college hoops, NFL, NBA, NHL, World Cup action, or whatever you're watching or doing. Stay safe in these streets. 
We'll see you right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Face, Instagram, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. Until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. And we'll see you chumps on top. Peace. Every Thursday, 6 to 8, they do this Shout out to Dez, PJ, Be Austin, Doc Bay on replay WarRoomSports.com Get that mobile app, it's not down 323-14-0012 They be going and you sensitive, then oh well Physical podcast, let's talk sports Showtime like magic in the block push Looking alive, push one to join in Rip your team or listen for your enjoyment Hip-hop dollars, pit-stop knowledge Should be in sports credits, I ain't talking college Five guys, no beef though Fortress secrets, but the streets know Bellafani, I got a G-flow KC, royalty, I'm in beast mode Two hours, get your game up Who's the best in sports cast, you better name us War Room Sports War Room Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it.